Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. It took about 72 hours of begging and pleading and convincing to get Allie and Michael and the band to do what we just did. They weren't very certain that it was going to work. And I was like, you just got to trust me. If we come in with Toto, everybody's going to love it. So thank you all for participating and indulging me while I got to sit there and watch them do that. I'm sure I will hear about it tomorrow morning. But like Allie said, we are in week two of a sermon series where we are talking all about rhythm. And last week, we talked about how important rhythm is to our lives and how easy it is in our lives to lose the rhythm. And so we looked at how we could find, again, the rhythm that we're supposed to live by, staying connected to God through a series of different practices and habits and routines in our lives that would help us reintroduce a consistent rhythm in our lives. This morning, we're going to talk about a different kind of rhythm and a larger rhythm one that affects all of us. And the reason we're talking about it is because as a larger us, as a group, as a city, and a community, as a state, as a nation, as a society, we're in the midst of a bit of a crisis. For the last 50 years, we've had a problem that has gotten worse and worse and worse. Never before in the history of modern society has this problem been as significant as it is today? Never before have there been fewer people participating in bowling leagues than has ever happened in the history of bowling leagues. While the number of people who bowl has increased year over year over year, the number of people who participate in bowling leagues has dropped precipitously. Now that creates a huge problem and based on all of the confused looks I'm getting from you this morning, it looks like I'm going to have to spend some time explaining why. There's social researchers who have been monitoring the different types of communities and organizations and groups that exist in our society. They've been paying attention to the trends throughout social behavior. And what they're noticing is that over the last 50 years, the social fabric of our world is beginning to deteriorate. Never before have we lived in a society where we have been more hyper-individualistic, where we've been more inclined to live alone, to go to work alone, to come home alone, and to operate our lives alone. We've never had a more connected generation through science and technology, but we've never had a society who has felt more disconnected than ever before. Now, The bowling leagues are just a small example of the way that society is changing and the way that our lives are changing, but it does point to an actual issue. There is something that used to hold us all together that no longer seems to be holding us together. In fact, one researcher said it this way. As society modernized, people found themselves able to live independently from any communal group. This is what's been happening over the last 50 years, last century. A person living in a modern city or suburb area can, for the first time in human history, go through an entire day or an entire life mostly encountering complete strangers. 
Now, for some of you, you're like, that sounds really nice. I would like to go through a complete day or maybe even a complete life encountering just strangers, people that I don't have to deal with. I don't have to worry about their issues or their needs or their baggage or their ah, ma, 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 ma. But what we don't realize is when we begin to live this hyper-individualized life, when we begin to drift away from communities, away from the things that bind us together as people, we lose the very things that we were designed for and the very things that mean and matter the most to us. Now, not only are we no longer participating in bowling leagues, and while that's dropped, and while we've become more individualistic, something else has begun to rise. Rates of substance abuse, depression, mental health issues, anxiety, schizophrenia, suicide, divorce. All of these things go up and up and up, year after year after year. And yet, our level of connectedness seems to be going down and down and down. Now, if you're here today and you have young people in your home, if you have little ones in your home, this trend should make you nervous. Never before have there been greater risk for us to be exposed to the dangers of being isolated from others. Maybe you even experienced this in your own home. You come home and all of a sudden, everybody's in their own space, in their own room. Nobody's interacting with each other. Maybe you'd muster everybody together at the dinner table and everybody's on an individual device. No one's talking, no one's communicating. You get in the car to go somewhere. Everybody's got their headphones in. Again, no one's talking. It's so easy for this to happen in our lives. But the problem is it doesn't just happen in our homes. It happens in all of our relationships and it's coming at an incredible, incredible cost. And so what these social researchers are suggesting is that the way to undo all of these maladies that affect us as a society is to move back to a place where we have two things most important to us. These two things, belonging and meaning. And again and again and again, study after study suggests that it's our social connections, our communal relationships, which are the only thing that can consistently and reliably provide belonging and meaning. Now, for some of you, you might be here this morning and you're like, oh, this feels a little, a little wimpy. I was hoping for a stronger, you know, point then we need more belonging and meaning but I'm convinced that the absence of these two things in our lives is behind almost all of the abuse and the depression and the anxiety and the chronic loneliness that we're facing in this world we were designed we were designed to find meaning in a group to belong to a group of people who shared the same values, the same ideals, the same goals as we did. Because when we participate in that group, we become part of something larger than ourselves. And as we move towards a common goal, we're able to give our lives to something greater than ourselves. And that brings meaning to our life. And it brings belonging to our life. And those things are able to undo 
all of the other maladies that we're facing. If you think about your own life, maybe you've spent time pursuing your career, trying to achieve and acquire and to be more and more successful only to find that once you've reached that place, it no longer provides the satisfaction, the contentment, the meaning that you expected it to provide. We've talked about this a lot here because I think it's the number one thing that's affecting our society. And so what do you do? You pursue more achievement. You pursue more success. You pursue more acquisition, more material possession. And again, we acquire these things and achieve these things and do these things because we think that they're gonna provide us with the meaning and the satisfaction and the fulfillment that we're longing for. But they don't. And so we try something else and we try something else. Our desire for belonging and meaning, I think, is also what's behind the rise in these pop-up exercise studios that are sweeping Dallas. Whether it's yoga or Soul Cycle or um, Orange Theory or whatever it is, more and more you see people flocking to these communities, these groups, these social networks, who all have the same sense of purpose, becoming the better version of themselves through physical fitness or health. Or maybe you find this in your social circles, in your networks, in your Bible studies, in your mom's groups, these things that allow you to finally feel like you're a part of something. Why do we do this? Because at the very core of all of us is we have an innate need to belong. And that belonging, that striving for a common goal provides a sense of meaning in our lives. Among some of the other research that I read in preparing for this sermon was the social scientists were measuring mental health across Europe. And they did it decade after decade after decade. And what they noticed was that there's an increasing trend up and to the right of more issues and instances of mental health. Mental health needs, schizophrenia, depression, loneliness, all of these things. Up and to the right, up and to the right. Except for this strange period of time at the beginning of the 1940s, where it dropped. And so they doubled back and dug into the research and what they realized was in the middle of World War II, when you would have imagined that mental health issues, depression, loneliness, anxiety would have been at their highest, they were at their lowest. There was something about Europe coming together, striving towards a common goal, a common purpose, needing to rely on each other, to pull together, that eliminated significant instances of pain and loneliness and disconnection. Now, obviously, we can't recommend war as a solution to this problem. But it does point to something that I want to talk about this morning. How do we tap into something bigger than ourselves? How do we find something that gives us meaning and belonging? Because left to our own devices, just like we talked about last week, our tendency is to lose the rhythm. Our tendency is for our rhythm to become irregular or to lag or to speed up. But it is hard to stay in rhythm as an individual. So true is it to stay in rhythm as a people. So how do we do this? What does this look like for us? How do we all 
collectively find the belonging and meaning that we need in our lives? Well, fortunately for us, there's a solution. And it will be one that you will not be surprised to hear about. 2,000 years ago, as Jesus was leaving, preparing to go up to heaven, he gathered his disciples and followers around him. He says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send my spirit to guide you, direct you, and to tell you what to do next. So Jesus leaves, and all the followers of Jesus are just kind of waiting around, checking their watches like, you know, any day, we don't really know what we're supposed to be doing. Somebody tell us, like, you could have left some instructions or a plan. And then at the very beginning of the book of Acts, it documents what's happened. Acts is kind of the history of the first church, of the early church. And so in that moment of waiting and wondering what's supposed to happen, how are we going to move on now that Jesus is gone? We followed him for so many years and listened to his teachings and tried to live by his example, and now he's gone. What do we do next? And then the Holy Spirit moves. And all of a sudden, there becomes this idea. What if we begin to continue to gather and to form these communities, these families that would continue Jesus's mission? And we'll have little pockets here in this city and little pockets here in that city. And we'll treat each other like family and we'll take care of each other. And if you have a need, I'll help out you. And if, if you're struggling with something, then you can bring it to the group and we'll all just take care of each other. And amazingly, what happened is this thing called Christianity, which started as just this small group of followers, no bigger than this room, exploded through the first century. Till after a couple hundred years, it was officially adopted as the official religion of the Roman Empire. How do you go from just a couple hundred people to the official religion of the Roman Empire in just a matter of two centuries? How do you, how do, you do that? There was something that they tapped into. There was a rhythm that they connected into took people by surprise and changed their lives and oriented them towards something so much more meaningful than their current lives had been experiencing. All of a sudden, this movement called the early church began to spread. These communities, these gatherings of people popped up all over and people began to pay attention to what they were doing and the way that they were living and how they were treating each other and how they were treating people that didn't look like them or sound like them or live where they live. They begin to pay attention to the way that this community, this social network, begin to expand and grow and care for and to sacrifice their lives for other people. And they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to join in, to, to belong to this thing that was happening. And when they did, they realized that this movement was giving them an opportunity to live for something so much more than themselves. Because just like they discovered, is just like we know, when you only live for yourselves, that ends up being an empty and less fulfilling existence. And so they wanted and longed to be a part of something bigger than themselves, and so they joined and they found that this community and this group was committed to living for the betterment of other people, oftentimes at the expense of themselves. 
they were sacrificing their own lives to help the lives of other people. They were doing without so that others could have more, which was so countercultural to the way that everybody else in the first century world lived that it spread like fire. What, what would happen if we connected back into that same pattern? What would happen if us in this room connected back into that same rhythm? This idea of belonging to something bigger than ourselves. This, and this idea of giving our lives for something greater than ourselves. I think it could change the world. And I know it could change this city and your block and your family and your relationships. So what is this rhythm that they participated in? What did this look like? Fortunately for us, Acts, this account to the first church, it shows us. This is how the writer of Acts describes what this very first group of followers did, the rhythm that they participated in. And it's one I think that we can learn from today. Describing what happened, he said, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to those around them, to the Lord's Supper, and to their prayers. So they would gather together, they would hang out in the temple, and this would be the thing that they participated in, to the teachings. This is what we know as the New Testament. To the community, paying attention to the needs of the people around them. They devoted themselves to caring for the others in their lives and in their midst. To the Lord's Supper, what we're going to share here in a moment. And to their prayers. This was both the spoken prayers and the sung prayers. Got my attention too. Now, this pattern is something that you have all experienced again and again and again. Most of us, we just call this church. This is the pattern that we're living out this morning. The teachings, paying attention to the needs of the community, sharing in the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers, the prayers that we've already said, that we've sung, and that will continue to be said and sung this morning. But that's not the only thing that they did. There's a greater pattern beyond just their worship together that these people were a part of. Describes it like this. Every day, this is the rhythm. They met together in the temple and then they shared and ate meals in their home. They shared this food with joy and simplicity. Every day they met together in the temple, they went to church and they ate in their homes. Then they shared a meal together in their homes. We're asking for once a week. They did it every day. They had it a lot worse than y'all did. They share food with joy and simplicity. And then they praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. So what happened? They met in the temple. They shared food together in homes. And they demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And as a result of this rhythm... Every day their number grew as God added those who were being saved. Now this word saved could also mean rescued, brought in from the storm, 
given new life, put back on track. This word saved has a lot of meanings. But it means that they allowed people to experience something that wasn't available to them prior. Just a simple, simple rhythm that looked like this. They met in the temple. They shared meals and homes. And they demonstrated God's goodness. Every day, they met in the temple. They shared meals and homes. And they demonstrated God's goodness. Now, intentionally, we have tried to pattern this church, this group of people, after the same rhythm. And there is a better than good chance that you have seen this rhythm before. It's to my left and your right, and it looks like this. They gather together, they grow together, and they give back together. They gather together, and they grow together, and they give back together. And what this did was this transformed those, those people. It transformed their hearts, it transformed their minds, and it transformed their lives to look more like Jesus by gathering together by growing together, and by then in turn demonstrating God's goodness and giving back together. And in doing so, not only did it transform them and change them, but it extended invitations to others to come in and participate in the same rhythm, in the same pattern, to gather together, to grow together, and to give back together. And so this is why we hand out fall calendars. This is why we ask you to participate in groups. This is why after this service ends, we're gonna encourage you to go into the hub and to sign up to serve here at the church because there is a rhythm for all of us to participate in, an opportunity to gather together here in this place, to go and spend time in your homes or in the homes of others to learn and to grow and to become more like the person of Jesus, to be honest about what's going on in our lives, to truly share and to have others share with you how they're doing, really. It is so easy to live this hyper-individualized life. To go from place to place, moment to moment, never really encountering someone on a deeper and more meaningful level. And then it's also an opportunity for you to demonstrate God's goodness to everyone. Each and every week, we end our service the same way. And we say... This, the word church, this thing church, it's not this building and it's not this service. It's you. And the reason we say that is because we mean it. Because it's true. God never intended for the church to be this building that people show up to once a week or once every other week or once every four weeks and then go home. All that does is reinforce this hyper-individualism. This idea that faith is this thing that we do by ourselves with God and we don't talk about it or share it with anybody. That was never the intention. The intention was for the church to be a place where people gathered together, to be reminded about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to grow in their understanding of how to do that by sharing their lives with other people, the good and the bad and the ugly and to help each other through it. And then to turn around and to demonstrate God's goodness, to serve others, 
Because in doing so, we create a movement that allows other people to come in and to find belonging and to find meaning. And so if you've been coming for a long time or if this is your first time, there's a space for you to participate in this rhythm. There's an opportunity for you to come, not every day, but weekly to gather together. There's an opportunity for you to find other people that you can do this thing called life with, to grow together. And there's an opportunity for you to serve others and to demonstrate God's goodness. I hope that, that you'll take this invitation seriously. Because what I don't want for us is for this service to conclude and for us to go home and us to participate and continue in our lives the way that we have. Because we know what happens when we do that. We've seen the rhythm that that brings. We know what happens when we just go from thing to thing, pursuing more, trying harder, achieve. We miss out on belonging and we miss out on meaning. And it's what we need most. I know it's scary. I know it can be awkward. I know it's even intimidating. But I hope today or in the next week that you will step out in faith, that you will say, God, give me the strength to jump just a little. I promise it won't hurt. And I promise that you will find belonging and meaning in a way that you have been missing in your life. In a moment, we're gonna share communion together just like they did at the very beginning when they first gathered and called themselves the church it's a reminder that there is an opportunity for all of us to join this rhythm and I hope you will let me pray for us gracious and loving God You created us with the desire, the desire for belonging and the desire for meaning. But left to our own devices, God, we pursue it in ways that never satisfy, that never fulfill. God, will you help us join in the rhythm that you set forth to gather together as people, to grow together as followers of you, and to give back together as those who have received the grace that you've given us. God, thank you for this gift, for this opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and to live for something more than ourselves, to live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.